reading from the book of Acts. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury, the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. If you would, please bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is a joy to be with you this morning. We are looking at the back half of Acts chapter 8. The title of my sermon is No Matter. And I want to begin with this question. Have you ever been interrupted by God? As I was preparing for this week's sermon, I couldn't help but think of 2018, specifically around Easter 2018. And I found some old pictures from our Easter services that day. I don't know if you can recognize the back of some of your heads, maybe not, but you might be able to recognize this person worshiping. I believe that is Melissa Borland worshiping. And how about this picture? Do you recognize any of these cuties? This is our little Easter choir. I see uh, Ayla and Sailor and I think Banks. And uh, Caitlin, Haley, Parker, I might be missing some. 2018, the Easter services were glorious. Uh, but for those who've ever worked for a church, you know all that goes into these services. And our staff, we were tired afterwards. We kind of poured it all out for the sake of those services. And uh, I was invited to kind of get away to reset uh, and go on an epic fishing trip out of South Florida. 
And so after Easter, I jumped on a flight and uh, was surprised right out of the gate when I was called uh, up to the counter and they said, sir, you've been moved to first class. And I'm looking around because I shouldn't have been moved. I, I wasn't like a diamond member, or even a bronze member. I was just Paul. Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, they bumped me to first class from Atlanta down to Fort Lauderdale. And I thought, God, you're looking out for me, aren't you? I didn't hear anything. Nonetheless, I got on the plane and uh, I was interrupted throughout the whole flight. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you know God has placed you at a certain time for a certain person. While I was sitting in first class and there was a certain person kind of right beside me, right behind me with his head covered with his hoodie and he was all balled up, tensed up. And I could just tell he was in pain. Something was wrong. And so I was reading a book and the Holy Spirit kept telling me to start praying for this man and keep praying for this man. So I kept praying for this man. And uh, shortly into the flight, I recognized this man as a a Pro Bowl NFL running back. And nonetheless, I left him alone because he was all hunkered down, head down. I didn't want to get punched. But after the flight, as we exited the airplane, he was making his way towards the gate, kind of... And I came up behind him. I tapped him on the shoulder. He tried to ignore me. And I said, sir, uh, you you don't know me. You you really don't need to know me. But I want to let you know I'm a pastor. And I believe God called me to pray for you through the flight. And his whole countenance changed. He said, your prayers mean more to me than you know. And uh, I said, well, I, I know God knows who you are, and he's for you. God bless you. And, and I walked on towards baggage claim. And, and as I was making my way towards baggage claim, guess who caught up to me? This running back. And he started asking me questions, this and that. And I purposefully didn't tell him my name. I'll tell you his name. Maybe this sermon will make its way to him. His name is Mark Ingram. And so... Uh, We go on this epic fishing trip, and uh, shortly thereafter, I discovered that uh, Mr. Ingram had been suspended by the NFL for, I think, PED use, that he was fighting. And so he was facing something I didn't know, but God knew. Have you ever been interrupted by God for the sake of another? I think the big idea from our passage is this. No matter the moment, no matter the method, God wants each of us to share the joy-generating message of Jesus. Let me repeat that. No matter the moment, no matter the method, God wants each of us to share the joy-generating message of Jesus. So let's dive in. Point one, no matter the moment, God will call us. The passage begins, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. For those who are new to our church today or maybe missed the last week or two, what is going on in Acts chapter eight? Well, Acts is short for Acts of the Apostles. In the Gospels, we learn that Jesus is the savior of love, came to offer 
you everlasting love. And then he passes on that love to a band of misfits called the disciples to live a mission of love and for us to live this mission of love as well. Earlier in Acts 8, there's persecution breaking out against the early church. And so they have to run for their lives. And Philip, one of the early followers of Jesus, runs to Samaria. And wouldn't you know it, this mass persecution leads to mass evangelism in Samaria, where not only individuals and families are being saved, but whole towns are being saved. And we learned last week that life's greatest problems present faith's greatest pathways to share the love of Jesus. And um, we learned about a unique word. I had a kind of fun teasing you and teasing myself last week. We learned this Greek word that's repeated five times. And specifically, I called out uh, someone in our congregation that's getting his PhD in Old Testament last week. And I said, Kenneth, you specialize in ancient languages. What is this word? And he said, nothing. He was caught in the moment. So today, I gave him a makeup opportunity. So when I put this on the screen at the 9 a.m. service, he stood up and he said, Elinjalizo! And it was great. Everyone clapped for him. He redeemed himself. Uangelizo means evangelism. It means to bring the good news, to proclaim the gospel. And so we see this repeated over and over again in Acts chapter 8. Philip is proclaiming and bringing the good news. Specifically, we read these words last week. As he, Philip, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And then we read, there was great joy in the city. There's like revival going on. And you would think Within this favor and flourishing, God would say something like this to Philip. Philip, you're doing great. Stay in Samaria. Stay the course. Or you would think he longed to hear these words. Wow, Philip, you deserve a vacation in Hawaii or Italy. You get to pick. No, what Philip heard was these words. Surprise, Philip I want you in the desert. What? But, but God, like, your word is going out with such favor. I know that, but I need you down there. And what are we talking about? Well, it was specifically citing a certain desert road south of Jerusalem. It was 60 miles of nothingness. You, would, you wouldn't really even see many people. So imagine Philip's confusion So what's going on? Well, sometimes God calls us from a place of abundance to a place of absurdity. And I know this is is different than maybe the prosperity gospel some of you have heard in the past. Sometimes God calls his people from a place of abundance to a place of absurdity. Yeah, I need you down there in the desert. And sometimes this absurdity, it might mean a geographical change. Here he was north of Jerusalem in Samaria. Then he was called to go south, below Jerusalem. It might be a vocational change. 
I didn't uh, end up in Charleston to plant this church. I ended up in Charleston to work for a denomination or a mission society that was planting churches. But I left a flourishing nonprofit I was running in New England. And I joined a group that was really dysfunctional, going through a big church split, denominational split. I don't know if you've ever gone through the pain of seeing your faith family act poorly. I was recruiting into that. It's almost like I was adopted into a divorcing family. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes God calls us from a place of abundance to absurdity, even in our relationships. Kent Hughes says it like this, divine appointments await us if we're obedient to God's leading. Point one, no matter the moment, God will call you. Point two, no matter the method, God will use you. The passage goes on. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Kandek, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now I want us to imagine this scene. Philip has made his way from Samaria past Jerusalem. He's on this desert road. He's probably not seeing anyone. And he's probably on foot. You see, in those days, if you were just an average person, you'd have to do a lot of hiking. And for some of you, you're about to do a lot of hiking on the men's hike. So get ready. So Philip is hiking for Jesus along this desert road, probably not seeing a bunch of people until he sees a whole entourage of people, until he sees a foreign leader of a different race in different place. You see, if you were a person of privilege, you wouldn't have to walk everywhere. You could ride a, a horse or a stretch camel. But um, here, it's even greater than that. If you're extremely wealthy, you get to ride in a chariot. Most likely, this had four wheels, was covered, and it was drawn by oxen or donkeys or horses, and there'd be servants around this official. So what does Philip do? He risks everything listening to Jesus, and he runs through the entourage right up to this official. Isn't that interesting? God had delivered him from danger in Jerusalem, sent him to Samaria, and then God's sending him right back into danger with a mission to this man. So note how the method and not the message of sharing Jesus changed. In Samaria, Philip was called to reach the many. Here in the desert, he was called to reach the one. For some of us, we're called to reach broader audiences at times, right? It's in our school, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, right? Sometimes God will say, but look at that one. Go to that one. Aaron, he'll say in your apartment complex, do you see that person? Go share Jesus with them. Go care for how they're doing. 
It goes from, in Samaria, a public proclamation of the gospel, now in the desert to the private conversation of the gospel. He uses various methods to share the love of Jesus. It reminds me of a defining moment that was shared with me this week by a parent. The founders of our church, our members, were huddling up talking about certain things about the future of our church right now. And uh, we're sharing uh, defining moments where God has met us in our community. And just Thursday night, this one parent said, well, let me share how he's met uh, me and us in our community and in our home. I was going to put my daughter to bed the other night, and I noticed she hid something beside her bed. And I thought to myself, oh, great, here we go. It's that parenting 101 moment. So I said, what is it you're hiding? And sure enough, it was a note. And I thought it was a note from a boy. And I said, oh, no, here we go, parenting 101. Turns out it wasn't a note from a boy. It was a note from our church. It was a note from a leader in our church. And it said, do you know you are loved? God loves you. He delights in you, et cetera, et cetera. Turns out this daughter reads this note that was gifted to her almost every night before she goes to bed. This daughter has given her life to Jesus through and in our church. The parent then engaged the leader who wrote the note, and the leader said, I don't necessarily recall writing that exact note, but that note means everything to this daughter. Isn't that interesting? The point is God will use whatever method from a sermon to a note in the temple or on the road to reach the young and the old with the love of Jesus. So how might God use you this week? To whom might you write a note this week? To whom might you offer a prayer this week? To whom might you bring a meal to this week? To whom might you volunteer to watch their kids this week? No matter the method, God will use us. In point three, to do what? To share the joy-generating message of Jesus. The passage goes on. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. This part of our scripture in this part of the Bible reminds me of this cartoon from the far side. It's a picture of a young man going to Midvale School for the Gifted and it shows this gifted student pushing against the door, trying to get in the building and on the sign above his head it says, Pull. You see, you see, sometimes God has unlocked a heart and is waiting for us to simply walk in. Sometimes we're the ones that are just, you know, uptight with fear. What if I share, in this case, 
this is a, an easy one. God's just tossing this one to Philip, saying, walk right in. And so what is the gentleman confused about? Well, virtually everyone in Israel, excuse me, in Israel, was waiting for a triumphant Messiah to destroy evil and execute justice. And so he's reading specifically the passage from Isaiah 53. And it doesn't line up with this kind of, this God of justice, this Messiah, this Savior that some of the people around Israel are saying will come, that will smite the enemies of Israel. And he's like, help me understand what's being said here in Isaiah 53. And as you imagine, Philip then shares, well, the problem in our world is not simply out there with the Romans and others. The problem's right here. It's right here in you and me. Evil's not just out, out there, it's right here. And if God executes justice, where will he stop? It will cost you and me our very lives. And so what's the solution? Well, as we read in Isaiah 53, the solution is for us to receive God's mercy and justice through a suffering Messiah who will die for you and me. We actually read the very verse right above the verses that the Ethiopian was reading from Isaiah 53. Let me read those to you. We read them every week. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The Apostle Paul would later write, you see, in just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, in Jesus, God doesn't give us what we deserve, but what we need, which is sacrificial love that covers all of our sin and deals with the evil in our world. And as this Ethiopian foreigner, as this official received it, it all made sense. The impact was immediate. They're riding together, and next thing you know, they see water, and the official says, look, there's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized right here and right now? And this story reminds me of our story here in our church with Gerald. Some of, our, uh, some of our people are close now with Gerald. There's a guy of a different race from a different place who first came to our church, and he would stand in the back of the room like this, arms crossed, up tight, and he would just look at me with this scold. And I thought to myself, this man does not like me. This man does not trust me, and he doesn't like you. He would not take a seat. I finally got him to have lunch with me and he shared his story. He, he grew up in a, a pretty harsh home that was Christian, very behavioralistic. You do right, you don't do wrong. And if you step out of line, you get whacked, boom. So the idea of grace and vulnerability, it was foreign for him. 
But he, he, he gradually would put his hands down and he gradually accepted an invitation to the men's hike with some of our men. And so as he was hiking, he said God just started wearing him down and pulling off the layers. And this layer came off, and this layer came off, and God started tenderizing his heart. And the men in our church started ministering to him all the way to when he said, there's water, I want to be baptized. And there's a picture of Gerald, all in with Jesus, because Jesus is all in with him. Can I get an amen? Yeah, come on. Gerald went from crossing his arms to wrapping his arms around anyone near him. If you've been near him recently, he'll give you the biggest bear hug, and he'll try to recruit you up to the mountain. He'll try to win you to Jesus. In fact, someone up here in the front held a party at one New Year's Eve. They had a New Year's Eve party. Gerald wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. I finally had to go up to him and say, hey, that guy kind of wants a drink or an hors d'oeuvre. Can you just give him some space? And uh, he's on fire. And so was the Ethiopian. When they came out of the water, our passage reads, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And again, I want us to note the parallel from the first half of Acts chapter eight. What was the result when the Samaritans came to Jesus? The city was filled with joy. So even though it was a different race in a different place, there was the same result of hearing the message of Jesus, which is joy. God wants to fill you, Luke, with unconditional love and everlasting joy. So you run down our alley and share with him near and far. And what's so beautiful about the story is according to Irenaeus, an early church father, this man became the first missionary to the Ethiopians. The story goes, he took his chariot down to the Nile, most likely sailed down the Nile to what was then Ethiopia. It's where Sudan is located now and shared Jesus. And Jesus went out through this one man. You see, Philip had left a congregation of hundreds, if not thousands, for a congregation of one. And it really, really mattered. So the big idea is this. No matter the moment, no matter the method, God wants each of us to share the joy-generating message of Jesus. So a few applications. First, Bobby, Amy, Jonathan, look for divine moments that God's calling you into to share Jesus. It might be a case of moving you from abundance to absurdity. Second, employ different methods. It might be a note, it might be a sermon, it might be in Starbucks, it might be in school. It might be public proclamation, it might be a private conversation. Third, to do what? To share the joy-generating message that Jesus loves you. And he'll fill you with an everlasting joy because of his love. I want to close with a poem from George MacDonald. I said, let me walk in the field. He said, no, walk in the town. 
I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers, but a crown. I said, but the skies are black. There's nothing but noise and din. And he wept as he sent me back. There's more, he said. There's sin. I said, but the air is thick and fogs are veiling the sun. He answered, yet souls are sick and souls in the dark undone. I said, I shall miss the light and friends will miss me, they say. He answered, choose tonight if I am to miss you or they. I pleaded for time to be given. He said, is it hard to decide? It will not seem so hard in heaven to have followed the steps of your guide. I cast one look at the fields, then set my face to the town. He said, my child, do you yield? Will you leave the flowers for the crown? Then into his hand went mine, and into my heart came he, and I walk in a light divine, the path I had feared to see. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the love, for the mercy, for the justice that is ours to receive and ours to share. God, we pray that you would enter our hearts. For some of us here, it's the first time we feel led to say yes. Yes, we believe. God, enter these hearts and establish your home. Some of us, God, are being called right now to go in this moment with a new method to share this love. Give us the courage to follow you and hear from you. No matter the path, will you lead our way? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.